Well, good morning. How is everybody doing? Wide awake? Still getting there? Halfway there? Caffeinated? Good. Good, good, good. Um, thanks so much for coming. How many of you guys enjoyed Jeremiah Johnson last week? Wasn't that awesome? He was great. Sent me a text this morning, said we're praying for you guys, and just a great, awesome person. Neat to know his, uh, his son, and I can't wait to see the rest of his family. Um, but what a great experience, great person, and great ministry that he has. Um, and thank you all that supported and gave towards that, and thanks for coming out and being a part of uh, who he is and, and his ministry. But um, uh, a couple things before I start, just to let you know, I know Joey's going to mention at the end, um, we're, we are in the current process of updating our website. I don't know if you noticed, but our website does need some updating. All the people online could probably agree as they're clicking and looking at our website every week. Um, but we're updating that, and uh, a donation has been given uh, to for you all to, to be able to have an opportunity to match that. And Joey's going to talk about it a little bit more. But I just want to let you guys know um, that's there. We're excited about being able to do it. It's going to help the church uh, be able to communicate this message online and just be a better overall experience. Um, so just want to remind you guys, if, if you came and you want to be a part of that, that's awesome. If that's not your thing, that's okay. Um, candy is, uh, we're collecting candy. And so he's going to mention that as well. So I'm doubling up. I'm being redundant. Um, but want to let you know, uh, we're collecting candy. So if you think about the kids coming up for our uh, trunk or treat, we're trying to get enough candy so the trunk or treat goes real smooth. I think last year we kind of we ran kind of low, but um, this year we want we don't want that opportunity. We want to be able to give out plenty of candy. We don't want the kids going home and crying. Okay, so want to have a good experience, all of the above. That's that's what makes kid, kids not cry is plenty of candy. Okay, so think about the children, and we'll be good. Um, awesome. Cool. So we're going to uh, go into uh, a new series next couple weeks. We're going to talk about uh, the life of Gideon. How many of you guys have ever heard of Gideon in here before? Yeah, it was a cool story. Um, uh, going to walk through this. I, I think it's a great story. It's kind of has some hard times. You guys know the, uh, the book of Judges is kind of a, a very dark time uh, for the Israelites. And we want to look at his life um, with this lens of grace. Uh, Judges 6.11 if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Judges 6.11, uh, it says, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abizer. Kind of an interesting name. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. So here we find Gideon hiding in this verse. And if we skip uh, over to chapter 7, if you have your Bibles, you can go to uh, Judges 7, verses 23 through 25. It says, Then Gideon sent for the warriors of Naphtali, Asher, and Manasseh, who joined in chasing the army of Midian. Verse 24, it says, Gideon also sent messengers throughout the hill country of Ephraim, saying, Come down to attack the Midianites. Cut them off at the shallow crossing of the Jordan River um, at Beth Bara, sorry, all these names. So all the men of Ephraim did as they were told. They captured Oreb and Zeb, and Zeb, the two Midianite commanders, killing Oreb at the rock of Oreb and Zeb at the winepress of Zeb. And they continued to chase the Midianites. Afterwards, the Israelites brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon, who was by the Jordan River. 
Now, I know it's a little graphic this morning. We're talking about Sunday morning, and we're talking about Gideon and killing the commanders. But I, I kind of want to point out just a question, and we're going to answer that question within the next couple of weeks. But the main focus I want to talk about it how, is how did Gideon go from a place of hiding in the wine press and threshing wheat um, how did he go from that place to chasing after his enemy, right? He was hiding from his enemy, and then he went to chasing after his enemy. How did he, what, what took place? What transpired? What snapped in Gideon, right? Um, I, uh, it kind of, I, I relate it back to um, 11th grade, uh, was in Spanish class. If you ever took Spanish class, it's a really good class in high school to take. Um, I was taking Spanish class. It was my 11th grade year. And I remember sitting in the front, and I was sitting next to this kid that uh, was not so popular. And then we had these two guys that were in the back. They were in a grade younger than me, and they were new to school. And they thought it would be funny to pick on this kid that was sitting next to me, okay? So it started out, this is seventh period class, started on Monday, and they started picking on him right away, right? And I'm watching this, and it's, it's kind of a brutal experience. Um, they're calling him names and all sorts of things. So that went on Monday. Then it carried out throughout the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I kind of thought that they were going to give up on picking on this kid. I just thought, that's, it's not really that funny. It's kind of, this is getting old. You, even your, your jokes, they need to get better, right? So I'm thinking, it's going to die down. Got all the way to Friday, and Friday they started back in again, okay? Now, mind you, I had kind of tried to talk to them to, to like keep an eye on them, check on them. And I um, got to the place where I couldn't take it anymore. All right? You ever got to that place where you couldn't take it anymore, right? Like, so I stood up, I turned around, and I pointed at these kids. And I said, don't you ever talk to this kid or me ever, 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 ever again. And I went on and said some nice other words after that. Um, <laughs> I'd say it in Spanish, but people can speak in Spanish in here too, so it won't work. Um, so uh, I, after that moment, the and the teacher, has name, her name was Mrs. Guzman, right? And she's just standing there with her papers like, what's happening? So I walked out of class. I was like, I'm going to go to the restroom, kind of cool off a little bit. And uh, the other kid, his name is Philip Tamplin, right? And he's still friends with me to, to this day. But he saw me out in the hallway. He decided to go to the restroom, too. I don't know if it was to recover from whatever I said to him. But he's out there, and he saw me in the hallway. And he came running up to me, Matt, 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 Matt. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to say all those things. And we just kind of, you know, got a little mixed up. And we're really sorry. I talked to the other guy. We're all good, right? We're all good. I was like, yeah, we're all good, man. Yeah, it's, it's fine. It, I, I forgive you. <laughs> um, but it was not an accident. So let's be honest about that, right? It wasn't an accident that you picked on this kid for a week. So, um, so anyways, um, something happened there, right? Something transpired. And I would say the same for Gideon. Something transpired. He went from hiding to a place of fighting. And, and I would say, how many times have we been where, where we didn't stand up? And there's many times where I did not stand up when I should have said something, or I did not say or, or say the right thing when I should have, or, or um, all of those scenarios, right? I didn't play out how I should have. Um, maybe we've lost confidence, right? Like maybe we've gone through an experience or multiple experiences to where we've lost confidence. Maybe something didn't play out how you thought and you got discouraged about a specific um, situation. Maybe you had high hopes. Maybe you started a business and you, you got discouraged over time. It wasn't taking off like you had hoped. Maybe you were in a relationship and that relationship didn't go the way that you had planned. Um, 
maybe an investment, maybe you had an investment and that didn't go. Maybe you're the product of a divorced home or whatever it could be. Um, it didn't turn out how you had hoped, right? And we all have times, I would say we all have times where we have low points in our life. We have points that are not going so well. They're not high points. Um, but I found it doesn't really matter, like, the fact that it happened to you. It doesn't really matter how you got to where you have. And the one thing I have learned is what really matters is what you do when you realize you've arrived, right? Like once you realize, man, I've gotten to this place where I'm discouraged, I'm hiding, I'm going through it, I'm not acting how I should, but I'm here. And it really matters when you're there what you do with it. Um, Gideon could have stayed there, right? Like he could have stayed threshing wheat for a long time, but he didn't. And I want to break down the next couple of weeks, I want to break down why didn't Gideon stay there? Why didn't he stay in this place of discouragement? And I want to do that by walking through chapter 6 and chapter 7 over the next couple of weeks. So if you get time, I'm not going to go through all of it, but just go ahead and read it on your own time. But we're going to start in Judges 6.11, the verse I already read. It says, Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree of Orphrah, not Oprah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abizer, Gideon's son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. So here we have three different people in this one verse, okay? Three different groups of people or sections of people. Um, the first one is the enemy, okay? That's the Midianites. The second is the messenger, which was the angel. The third was the so-called hero, which was Gideon. Okay, now the Midianites, I've got a picture of what the Midianites look like. Um, they have 135,000 people in their army, in their military, right? Um, if you notice what they're writing, um, they actually, they invented what we, what we know today as camel warfare. Not the cigarette camel, but the animal camel warfare. Circa 1191 to 1144 is when this was actually invented. Um, and it was basically taking advantage of the high ground. These camels have, all of you know, they have uh, long-range capability. They can go through deserts. They can, um, they're, they're actually fairly fast. Um, but it describes how many camels they, ha they have. It says, camels without number as the sand which is upon the seashore for, mul for multitude. I don't know why they had a, the capability of counting the amount of people, but they did not have the capability of counting how many camels. But they said it was as many as sand in the seashore. So what they would do, these Midianites, is they would sneak in through the night and they would steal the food, okay? It was like a, it was a process by which they kept their enemies um, without being able to get strengthened or be able to build up against them. They would steal all of their food, and they would wipe out their, their food source. So these, these people are aggressive, and they're oppressive. Okay, the second person in this verse is an angel. Some believe it was an actual angel. Um, some people believe it was God himself, and then others believe that it was um, maybe... Um, maybe even Jesus, because Gideon didn't react how most people uh, reacted in the Old and the New Testament when people would freak out when they would see an angelic being, they would freak out or scream. He didn't do any of that. So they, some people try to say that it was possibly Jesus, right? I don't, I don't have an answer for it. Um, the third person is Gideon. Now it says that Gideon was threshing wheat, 
okay? Threshing wheat in a wine press. If you don't know what threshing wheat is, I have a picture of it, okay? So basically, you, you try to find a really high place on a mountain, and you, and you use some type of tool, and you throw the wheat up into the air, and then what happens is, is the wind grabs the chaff and blows the chaff out, and the wheat falls onto what a lot of people call the threshing floor, okay? Um, so he's threshing wheat inside where it's impossible to thresh wheat. There is no wind inside. I have a picture of what a wine press would look like, right? So it's kind of this, you see the upper part where they would be crushing the grapes and then the, the liquid would go into that little hole. So he's, he's in there and, and he's in a low place. So I don't know if he was like blowing, like, like trying to get rid of the chaff. I don't know what he was doing, but it wasn't the right way to, to thresh wheat, Okay. So Judges 6.12, we go back to Judges 6.12. It says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So a lot of times we make the mistake, I've made the mistake too, but uh, we, we look at these people like Gideon and we would say, look at what they did, right? I wish I could be like that. They even have the heroes of the faith in Hebrews, right? Um, or, or the, the men of faith, right? But if you really pay attention, Gideon's story, it's hard to imagine a less than heroic hero, right? He wasn't brave. He wasn't powerful. It reminds me of myself. I'm not even sure that he had the faith that, as the size of a mustard seed. In fact, it says that he was in a wine press, a low place physically. I believe it was physically, emotionally, and spiritually. He was in a low place. He was in survival mode. Do you guys remember what survival mode is like? Has anybody ever been through survival mode? I would consider survival mode a little bit like 2020, right? When we were passing toilet paper in the night. Does anybody remember those days? And they had um, uh, hand sanitizer that was $70 a bottle. Right? I remember looking on Facebook Marketplace, and they were selling weight benches made out of wood for $1,000. I was like, wow, who ever thought that that day would happen? That was survival mode. I, don't, I wouldn't recommend buying a wooden um, weight bench. But anyways, um, survive, he was surviving, not thriving, is what I want to point out. Gideon was surviving, not thriving. But I think that's the point of the story. Gideon is no hero. God is. Gideon was a mighty warrior, but he was, only, he was only a mighty warrior because God was with him. In fact, God stepped into the low place with him. Sometimes we can actually see God clearer in the lowest times of our life. Um, and it's important to see that the same thing is true of each of us. We are not the heroes of our story. God is. We struggle. We get hurt. There are times when we absolutely are overwhelmed and we feel like there's no way we can win the battle that we're fighting. But it's important for us to realize that Gideon, like Gideon, we only find victory through God's power. Isn't it interesting? I find it interesting that this messenger, he used the word mighty, right? Mighty. Like it's an interesting word. He could have used any other word other than mighty. He chose mighty for Gideon, right? The word mighty, I looked it up. In, uh, in the Greek, it means gabor, which means strong. The King James Version says that he was a mighty man of valor. The New American says that he, he was a valiant warrior. The Amplified, it says, oh, brave man. Now, I looked up the opposite of the, the words brave or valor. It means weakness. It means timidity. It means fearfulness. It means cold feet. 
And I believe we've all had times of fearfulness. I believe we've all had times of timidity. We've all had times where we were afraid to do something. We had cold feet, right? Um, I remember years ago, um, I, after we had, we, we had helped start a church out in Arizona, and I had decided I was going to take a break from ministry, all things ministry. So we moved back to Ohio, the cold country. I wouldn't recommend it. Pray for you if you're from there. Um, but no, no offense, right? It's just, it's just not the place to be. Oh, we got some Ohio people. Yep, I know. Kristen knows. I warn them every week. I'm like, don't, don't go back there for Thanksgiving. Resist the devil. Don't go back. <laughs> Visit, but don't stay. Um, but I was up there um, working, and I remember, like, I got to a place where I was really comfortable, right? It's really nice when you're, when you're mowing grass, and you got these earphones on, and you're all by yourself, and you're just like, wow, this is God out here. God's country, mowing grass, nobody's bothering me, uh, you know? And then I remember working on my house. It was freezing cold. It was like, I think it was like 15 degrees outside. And I had the proper clothing. I had figured out how to wear the proper clothing, Carhartts and all that. And I'm putting siding on my house. And my buddy calls me, right? He, he's a realtor out in Arizona. And he's like, hey, Matt. He's like, I'm just checking on you. Um, wanted to see like, you know, and we got to talking about, I, I could tell he was getting somewhere. And he's like, so Matt, have you prayed about getting back into ministry? And I was like, man, I was like, please don't talk to me about this, right? Like, I don't want to talk about getting back into ministry. That's not something I want to talk about, right? And he's like, man, I really think, I really think you should pray about getting back into the ministry. He said, I met somebody that reminded me of you 20 years. He'd been out of ministry, and he was just like, he seemed upset. He seemed bitter. He seemed like, yeah, he'd made some decent money, but he just didn't seem like he was satisfied. And I said, well, thank you so much for reminding me of your friend that you met. I'm like, but I'm, I'm doing great. Meanwhile, I've got my, you know, I've got it tucked in my ear thing because I, I don't have a Bluetooth and I'm freezing cold and I'm shoving insulation in my house. And I'm like, I'm really good. He goes, well, can you do something for me, Matt? Can you pray about whether you're supposed to get back into ministry? And I was like, thank you. Yeah, I can pray. Yes. Have a great day. Thanks for thinking about me. Think about me, but don't call next time, right? It's one of those phone calls. Um, and his, I just remember, um, right, I've, I, I, I think that his gift was he could see something in me that I couldn't see in myself at the time, right? Like I was going through the motions. I had things going on that I was just like, I, if I can ignore these things, I'm good, right? But he saw something in me um, that, that he, he wanted to speak about. And I've heard people say that this story of Gideon and the angel, that the angel was being sarcastic with him, calling him mighty man, but I don't actually believe that. I believe that God sees things in us that we don't necessarily see in ourselves. And I believe God sent that messenger there to encourage him in his place uh, of where he was at. He was distraught. I believe God sees who we are outside of what we're currently doing. Our worth isn't based on our potential, but our potential will only be known if we understand our worth. I'll say that again. Our worth isn't based on our potential, but our potential will only be known if we understand our worth. Jeff Syverson, I read his stuff. I'm sure you guys do all the time, right? In complete contrast to Gideon's confession of his weakness, God calls him mighty warrior. What matters is not his inability, but God's ability, it's not what you can do for God. It's not what you can do for God. First John 4.10, 
It says, in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Isn't it interesting that John called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved, right? So this is John writing this in 1 John, and he called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved, right? And he talked about that. He wrote that over and over. That wasn't Jesus writing that about him. That was him. He boasted in the Lord's love for him, right? He's known for that. Peter, who we all love and adore, Peter boasted in his love for God. He boasted in his love for Jesus. He told Jesus, I will never, never deny you. He even, when he was having that conversation with Jesus, you know, Jesus was asking him, do you love me? And he's like, I love you. He would say it again, I love you, I love you, right? And it's interesting when you think about Jesus was hanging on the cross, right? And who was there when Jesus was hanging on the cross? There were two people. It was his mother and it was John that were there, right? And when you think about that, where was Peter at who boasted in his love for Jesus? He was hiding. He was away. He was off somewhere. Who knows? He was discouraged. He had denied Jesus three times, and he was just really upset with himself. Why was that? Because he boasted in his love for God. And John boasted in, in God's love for him. Scripture says that love casts out all fear, right? And I believe the more we learn about how much God loves us, the more fear will be expelled, the more it'll disappear in our lives. We will not be afraid of things that naturally other people will be afraid of because we know God's love is on our lives. I love, Rick talked about the weakness of God recently, right? Um, I'm going to read, I'm going to quote that again. It says, I boast in God's love for me, not in my love for God. My confidence is in his love, in his love for me, not my love for him. God's love for us is unchanging. It's eternal. It's everlasting. My love for him has its ups and its downs. I'm pretty good at that, right? Has its ups and its downs, right? Our love can only go so far for him. We could boast in it all we want, but there are days where I'm not feeling like loving God. It's not consistent. If my focus in life is on my love for him, then I will feel depressed. I will feel unworthy. I will feel condemned because my love for him only goes so far. But if our focus is on his love for us, man, I I will feel, I will live a life of consistency. I will live a life feeling worthy and feeling not condemned because I focused on the proper love. John 17. 26, it says, I made known your name to them, and I will continue to make it known so that the love you have loved me uh, with may be in them, and I may be in them. God, our Father, loves us the same way he loves Jesus, right? He traded one son, think about this, he traded one son for all, right? He, he received us Then he got his son back. He is one with his son. We too are one with him. It's kind of just like mind-blowing when you think about it. Where does the love end? I don't know. Judges 6.12, it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty warrior. Gideon answered him, But sir, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? Have you ever been there? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our ancestors recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has cast us off and given us into the hand of the Midian. See, Gideon's greatest enemy wasn't the devil. It wasn't the Midianites. 
And it wasn't even sin. It was himself. His greatest enemy was not seeing himself the way that God did. God calls him a mighty warrior. Gideon says, yeah, but sir. And it says, my question is, how many times have we had that happen in our own lives? Whether we've heard something from God, whether we've read scripture, and we're like, well, but sir. Think about it. As he is, so am I in this world. But sir. No weapon formed against me shall prosper, but every tongue that rises up against me shall be put to shame. But, sir, there is therefore now no condemnation to those which are in Christ Jesus. But, sir, God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. But, sir... And all of us, I mean, we, if you could memorize Scripture, you could know Scripture, you could read the Bible, but then when it comes down to those scenarios, we have to leave the but, sir, out of it. Our greatest enemy is not seeing ourselves the way God sees us. Our greatest enemy is not seeing ourselves the way God sees us. I'll say it one more time. Our greatest enemy is not seeing ourselves the way God sees us. All of us can relate to Gideon's story because we all have had something happen to us that just has broken us, it's shattered us, it's made us feel small and helpless. In some ways, we all end up like Gideon in, his, in the wine press, right? At some point in our lives, we find ourselves in a place that we never meant to be doing things that really don't make any sense. Think about the Israelites, right? I relate it to the Israelites where they saw themselves as grasshoppers, right? So they couldn't enter into the promised land. They could at least have seen themselves as locusts, right? At least those are more aggressive, But they said grasshoppers. But by the time you realize just how bad the situation is, how much trouble you're in, you're stuck. Your shame and your fear are so oppressive that they keep you trapped in this place. You never want to be doing crazy things that don't make any sense. Have you ever felt so broken, so worthless, so beat down, so insignificant that you just decide it's best to just keep your head down? Right? It's safe down there in the wine press right? That's what I'm trying to say is that's where I was. I was, I felt safe. I felt at least people can't hurt me here in Ohio by myself, right? At least I can keep my arm length because people hurt sometimes, right? Perhaps in the past you've had your own experience threshing wheat in a wine press, maybe spiritually, maybe emotionally, and that's where you are right now. But it was right there in Gideon's lowest point in his darkest moment where sin and shame and fear overwhelmed him that God's light tore through the darkness and God spoke the words that would raise Gideon up out of the wine press. God meets us where we are. He didn't say come out of the dark place. He stepped into the dark place where Gideon was. And he'll step into the place of wherever you are today. Judges 6.14, it says, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel, the Midianites. I am sending you. I love this moment because it says that the Lord turned towards him. Right? Like he turned towards him. And I've had times in my life, I don't know if you ever had times in your life, where I've yelled at God. I've literally yelled at him. God, I don't know why I'm going through this. I don't know why you're putting me through this. I don't know why this situation turned out this way, but I'm really, really angry at you. And that was probably saying it nicely, right? And what I want you to know is God does have broad shoulders, and he can handle whatever you dish at him, but it says that he turned towards Gideon. And what I want you to know is no matter what you've said, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you're going through right now, God's shoulders, he's positioned himself 
towards us. God meets us where we are. It says, go with the strength that you have. Go with the strength that you have. He was saying, I'm not worried about what you don't have. Take what you have. You never are going to have enough strength to defeat the enemy. Judges 6.15, it says, Gideon, he's talking, but the Lord, how am I supposed to deliver Israel? My family is the weakest in the tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least of my family. But here's what I'll tell you is, your worth isn't based on your potential, and your potential isn't dependent on your background. I don't care what your background is in here today. When God starts talking to us, we start saying, well, God, last week, I don't know if you realized what I did last week in hopes that God's going to be shocked, right? Then we start saying, well, God, if that doesn't shock him, we say, well, God, do you know what family I'm from? Do you know what my background is? Do you know what kind of inconsistencies I've lived with this whole time? But God isn't shocked. God doesn't care where you came from in the sense that he created you in your mother's womb. He knew you before the foundations of the world. He knows the hairs that are counted on your head, and you are the apple of his eye. So when we try to explain to him where we came from, he already knows. Judges 6, 16, the eternal one, it says, Go, I will be with you, and you will totally destroy the forces of Midian as one man. It doesn't matter how big your enemy is. God is bigger. Uh, It kind of reminds me of like, I don't know if you've ever um, run in any marathons. I was going to pick on Alan today, but I don't see him. He's been running in marathons every weekend. So Alan, if you're watching, great job running marathons every weekend. But if you run marathons, if you run in a race, what they teach you is you're not to try and figure out how many steps you have to go. You're just supposed to look right in front of you. You're not supposed to look off in the distance and see how long the journey is still ahead. You're just supposed to stay and keep the steps going right in front of you. And I think that that's how this scenario is. Um, It's all about just knowing right in front of you because if you look at how far you have to go, you'll be discouraged. Mike Tyson, anybody know who Mike Tyson is, right? He, uh, one of the heavyweight, I I think he's one of the all-time heavyweight boxers ever, right? Uh, He had 58 um, uh, boxing matches as the heavyweight, and he fought 58 different people. I think he won 50, he lost six, and then four or somewhere at two or whatever, however many are left there, um, uh, they were contended or whatever where, where they couldn't decide. But he had 50, like, big, huge guys that he had to fight. And I, I kind of compare that to getting hit, hit by, like, a Mack truck every time, even though he won in the first match. But fighting those guys is like getting hit by something that you can't control. But if you were to take each one individually, you could defeat them. Right? But if you put all 50 in the ring at the same time, it's going to be pretty overwhelming and pretty discouraging, and you're going to be pretty disappointed. And that's how I think about these, these battles. That's what he's saying with these Midianites. Is there's so many, 135,000. If you count them all, that's going to be super discouraging. And you really just need to think of it as one man fighting another. And that's how your situation is. Don't think about how many things you have to overcome. Don't think about how many battles you have ahead. You just need to focus on putting one step in front of the other. (laughs) This is embarrassing. Uh, It wasn't just a couple weeks ago, I came out of my house and we had these like vines hanging from the trees, right? Well, um, I don't know about you, but I don't really like bugs on me. 
right? Does anybody not like bugs on them? I'm just one of those guys that I don't like. I can see bugs. I can kill bugs. But the moment a bug is on me, it's like I turn into a little girl. So uh, walk out to my car, and this vine touches my neck, okay? So I was sure it was like some kind of spider or some kind of bug because we live out in no man's land. And so I just took my hand, and I literally went, boom, and punched myself, right? Then I felt it still on my neck, so I took another hit, boom, punched myself that way. So I'm laying on my car, and finally I look back and I just see this vine that's hanging. And I was like, well, that was really stupid. Um, uh, but I think I relate that because I think about sometimes when I say that we, are, we can be our biggest enemy, right? We really can. And if we can just resist saying, but sir, but God, I don't know if I can overcome this. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if, I think this is too big of a deal. This, is, this enemy is too much. I've been trying for years. I've been trying to overcome. Stop saying, but sir, and recognize it's just one man, and he is with you. He will help us to overcome. Amen? Why don't you guys stand with me? I'm going to pray over everybody. We're going to have just a couple announcements, and we'll close. But God, we just lift our hands to you, God. We focus on you this morning. And God, if there's anybody in here um, that's going through something, God, I speak life into their situation. I claim that they are a mighty man or a mighty woman of valor, God. I declare that they are more than overcomers because you are with us today, God. And God, I speak life into their situation. They might be hanging their head low. They might be discouraged. They might be feeling like the enemy has got too much on them, God. But I thank you, God, that we are as white as snow, God. When we're with you, God, I thank you, God, that you've sent your son and your son was sufficient enough for any battle, any territory that we feel like we can't cross. God, I thank you, God. And I speak life over their situation. I speak life into that dark place. And I speak life over them so that they'll be able to come out from the wine press and be able to step into what you have for them. We love you, God, today. We trust you for your greatness. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen and amen.